Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts, contrite spirits, Lord, and empty vessels. Thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that they are here tonight, that we get to edify one another, that we get to hear of your word, Lord, that we get to fellowship together. For, Lord, the battle is a grim battle, Lord. And there's just so much that we have to go through to reach people. So I just thank you for their lives, Lord. I thank you for their health. I thank you for all that you're doing through them. And may you continue, Lord. And I just pray that you make our path straight. Because one thing we have done, Lord, as a church, you know, and I'm speaking of myself, is that we have gotten off the path. Yes, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that this message will be exactly what you wanted. I pray, Lord, that no flesh be glorified tonight, that no man's heart be heard, Lord, but this be totally about you and what you desire for your people, Lord. So we just pray, Lord, that you speak, that you teach us, that we might teach others. And, Lord, I just pray over Sarah's uncle, Lord, with cancer. I pray over my family, Lord, with the things that they're going through. I pray for the families of everyone within and without the ministry, Lord, that you watch over them and you keep them. So, Lord, we just need more time. We just need more grace, Lord. But more importantly, we need your presence. If anyone is going to get the job done today that is going to steer your church back in the way that it needs to go, Lord, then I pray that you be that light unto our paths, Lord, that you are a lamp unto our feet, that we do not stray. So, Lord, whatever conviction, whatever rebuking, whatever reproving you need to do with us, Lord, I pray that you not hold back. Yes, Jesus. I pray that you say what needs to be said. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, Jesus Lord, I name. pray that you Thank bind you, every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error and contention and confusion, yes, every Jesus. spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, everything, you, Lord. Lord, that goes against you, I pray in Jesus', Jesus name, name that it be bound from this very moment, Lord, that you cast it out. That you place victory over your people, Lord, for you have never meant for us to be under our inheritance, but to live up to the standard that you called us to. So I pray, Lord, that as the enemy tries to block that potential, as he tries to make us think that there are things more important than serving you, I pray that you give your people a fresh perspective that they begin to see that there is nothing like the old pathway. There is nothing that compares to it. There is nothing... Lord, that we can do to add to your word. There is nothing that we can bring before ourselves that we can just, you know, somehow invent new things in the body of Christ. The way that you meant it, Lord, the way that you built it as the great architect, I pray, Lord, that you bring us back. I pray that we go back. And I pray that however it was then, let it be today, Lord. So, Lord, we just pray that all these things be done for your glory and honor, for you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. Thank you. Lord, we pray that you do it for you, Lord. In Jesus' name Jesus we pray. Name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I kind of let the cat out of the bag, but tonight's study is going to be called The Old Pathway. The Old Pathway. And uh, one reason the Lord uh, led me to this particular study is because there are so many things that we do today that are not of Christ. And it seems like the more man gets involved, the more God begins to back off. And that's the one thing that we don't want. Why we think as people that we can improve on God's word? Why do we think that we can psychologize our way into the minds and souls of people today when all we needed back then was the Holy Ghost? All you needed was the mind of Christ. All you needed was the wisdom of God and the conviction of the Spirit to bring God's people to the place that they need to be. So I'm just praying tonight that the Lord sets us all on that path to go back to the old way, the way that things were, how, you know, your pastor didn't spare a soul in that place. I remember even being a little kid and hearing some things, you know, that the pastor would say, and it would like you know, kind of throw me off. Like, man, you know, he's talking about hell. He's talking about sin. He's talking about things that we need to, you know, get rid of so that we can be alive in the body. But I know today what's being really preached is this love doctrine. And I'm not against love by any means, but let's define it in the place that God meant it to. And that's a selfless life before the Lord to reach the brethren and sisters and to serve our God with every ounce of our being. But what I'm finding today in a lot of places is people are trying to sensualize it. They're trying to feel it. And in doing so, it's making God's people in many ways search for things that are not true. It's making people look for things that don't really do much. I mean, I don't know about anybody else or where your, where your start began in church. But I remember when, um, well, now that this love doctrine is coming in and everybody's preaching love, 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 love. Things are getting worse. You're starting to find an entitled people. You're starting to find a spoiled people. You're starting to find a people that won't even stand for Jesus mm -hmm. because they're thinking, I should feel it. I shouldn't be it. But we all know that love is the presence of God. And out of that love branches forth other love, like loving our brothers and sisters, like we all do here. We'll eventually love a wife or a husband that same way. And that love, um, you know, distributes down to your children. But it all begins in the source, of, the source of love, which is Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, each one of these loves have their own place, you know, in God. But every single one of them should really be selfless. I mean, when you really get down to the gist of what it is. So, you know, I'm just going to talk about this tonight because I'm just seeing a deception like no other time in history. And I mean, it's to a point where... If you even start to talk about the serious things of the gospel, if you start to talk about the things that Jesus wants, people will give you that strange look. And the first thing will come out of their mouths is, well, what about love? And my question to you is, do you think Jesus did all this for nothing? Do you think that he wasn't showing love when he was preaching the gospel, when he lived a selfless life and was giving us what we needed? So, you know, love needs to be redefined. But what we're going to talk about is the old pathway how it was, what God desired for us, and how we ought to see things. Because there's something about spoiling a kid that, you know, if you give them everything that they want, they don't have an appreciation for that, which is real. What they begin to do is go further into fantasy or do things for more goodies. 
But you know, there comes a point where you tell your child, okay, well, now you're about 18. It's time you start working for a living. It's time you start being responsible and going after the things that you want. And this is exactly how our relationship improves with Jesus. Because when we're young and we're ignorant and we're religious and we're everything else, Jesus watches over us in love, you know, making sure that we're good because he gives us all this, this period called grace to get to know him, to get to enjoy him, to have him work his way in our lives. But once we've decided to have a relationship with him, then he guides us as we grow. But then that begins to transform in you wanting him, not just him watching over you and all your foolishness, but you beginning to want him, you beginning to desire what God wants for you. And there's something about when the real gospel is being preached, man. I'm telling you, people, it is so foreign to the church today that all you see is people look at this like this can't be God. And, you know, we're going to talk about why that is. I want to play a quick clip of Pastor Price before we get going, because I think he's going to bring some understanding that I don't have to go over. But, you know, we are going to talk about. But it's just really interesting because the way that he sees it, I'm kind of seeing it, and I don't have a doubt in the world that Jesus Christ didn't see it this way also because of the things that he said concerning it. You know, Jesus mentioned about the reed shaking in the wind. When people were um, trying to figure out whether John the Baptist was the man sent by God, Jesus said, well, why didn't you believe John? He always asked people that. But then he said, who did you think that you were going to see? Who did you think was going to represent me? a little reed shaking in the wind, a man clothed in soft raiment. He told you who those guys were, which told you everything you need to know about Jesus. Jesus was no weakling. He was no wimp. Jesus was a man and he was God. But one thing is for sure is he was everything that God meant for him to be. And if he made man in his image, you know, then men need to be that way too in Christ. Women need to be in the ways of the image of Christ. But what you're finding today through this whole Baphomet religion, while they're pushing that statue in every city, while you're starting to find men becoming very effeminized, and you're starting to find the women very masculine, is because the devil is trying to destroy the image of God, and he's using our senses to make it come to pass. Amen. So let's just uh, listen to this real quick of Pastor Price. This is a video called The New Breed, so if you guys get a chance check it out and you know before i go there too i want to send a video to everyone by a.a a. allen who i'm going to read a little bit of this book to a little bit later but a.a a. allen said that he was asking the lord for a scripture that god would give him and he was in wimbledon about to speak before the Eng you know in, in um, england mm -hmm. and he said that god told him to preach a um, message called god is a killer now, I know some people would say, man, you crazy. You know, who would who would preach something like that? But when he breaks it down and he makes it clear about how real God is and everything that God wants, I'm going to send it to you all because right now this is sound like, man, this guy went from talking about the love doctrine, destroying people to killing. That's not what this is about. But it's having an understanding of who God is, what God wants. And nobody probably in the 20th century casted out more demons than A.A. Allen. He was a real man of God. He would take his tent and move it around, I mean, from city to city. And I don't care if you had cancer. I don't care what sickness you had. When you came out of that tent, you were made whole because this man was touched by God. This man sought God in his closet. He doesn't even know how long he was in there praying. 
But all that happened was, um, you know, God tore through the veil. Jesus Christ came to see this man himself and began speaking to him why he could not have his miracle work and power. Why he didn't. And there were 13 things on the list. And as the Lord showed him and was talking to him, he began ripping up a cardboard box in his closet because that's all he had. He ripped the box up and asked the Lord, can you repeat it again? And the Lord, you know, began to speak to him and tell him everything. And he wrote these things down. So weeks went by, months went by, and everything on that list that he was guilty of, he and his wife repented of, and they were slowly taking the, um, the, the list down. You know, things were coming off. And then there were two things. One of them I don't think he told his wife about that the Lord told him. It was personal. And the Lord said, yeah, those have got to come down too. So he said the devil told him at that point, you'll never get this down, you know, because I know you and I know what you're about. But he said he prayed, he fasted, he sought the Lord. And next thing you know, that was taken off the list. And God was true to his word that uh, we've all prayed for somebody and someone's been healed. We've all felt the, the virtue of the Holy Ghost leave our hands and heal people. But how about having that on a daily basis? How about having a fully charged battery where that veil is completely open and God, Jesus Christ, is living in you and working through you? That's a whole different plane. But what A.A. What Allen had to do was go back to the old pathway, things that the apostles did, the disciples. So these are things that God is calling for because sometimes we can get so close to Jesus in the spirit. And then the next thing you know, it's like we're back in the world. And, you know, we're laughing at silly jokes at work that people are talking about. And you're like, man, how did I get from over there all the way back over here? But it's because we're not, you know, taking up our cross daily and doing the things that the Lord says. So this is not a message of bondage, but I want people to understand that God's way is the only way. And unless we seek the things of our forefathers and people that came before us, how do we expect God to give us what they had when we have not paid the appropriate price? That's something that we just got to think about and we've got to learn to grasp. So let's listen to Pastor Price real quick. and um, Or when we're living in the world. That's right. Yeah. Or, sorry guys, this is not disco ministry. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> The Bible tells you in Hebrews 13, obey them that have rule over you. Rule over you is dependent upon servitude to you. You serve the people to rule over the people. God's kingdom operates in reverse. In the devil's economy, you lift up over folks and dictate down to them. In God's economy, Jesus, the Son of God, washed everybody's feet in servitude to them. That's leadership in the body of Christ. You see, this thing is so perverted and so warped you got to find a new breed of human, a new kind of Christian, a new thinking person to incorporate in it. That old leftover remnant from Egypt can't cross over into this. And I'm telling you, you ought to be tired of trying to make it. You know, wasted all this time trying to make people see what they're not going to see. Right, that's hopeless, that's giving up. I still believe in praying and interceding. Pray for them. But cross that river. <laughs> you better cross that river. I'll pray for everybody that I left on the other side of the river. I hope y'all made it across the river. I'm crossing the river, man. At some point, you can't keep stymieing those that will progress, hung up with those that won't. Y'all gotta tell you, 
paint a, a picture of a new church order where eldership is in, in place, where it's changed over to a whole other paradigm of church, the people stuck in religion. They stuck under the law. They stuck under Moses, making the pastor a master. You really got a pimp with a, with a church for the prostitutes. Pimps in the pulpit, whores in the pews. That's what you got. And a brainwashed whore is an ugly thing. You ever see the brainwashed prostitute that's, that's governed by a pimp? She'll kill you over that pimp. Get a woman that's messed up with a no good guy. And, and he's got her mind for real. That's an ugly thing to watch right there, buddy. You tell the man no good. He got three other women. What? Look, you get out of my face before I slap you. I'll cut you. You say one more thing about running, I'll cut you. Ain't nothing to do with that. They'll cut you. You better get out of there. Because the joker got a mind. When a religious entity has your mind, you will die for that entity. Ask the Muslims. They'll set themselves on fire. They'll blow themselves up. They'll, they'll kill everything in sight. All for a make-believe religious entity that's operative in their own imagination. Not even real. All of the moon god. And they believe it's real. They're dying for the thing. Thinking 70 virgins wait for them in heaven. What are you going to do with 70 virgins in heaven? You see how stupid this is? But see, if you say that to them, if I was standing in a, in a mosque full of Muslims, they would kill me. They would be so enraged, they would be, they would be like, you know, like ravening wolves ready to kill you for what you just said. Say something about the Pope to a Roman Catholic, they will slit your throat. Don't, don't, look, get out of this fantasy-stricken state about religion. Folks been killed over religion for centuries, man. They will kill you over religion. They will butcher you. They will beat you to death over religion. This thing is real. Humanism is a religion. They believe in self. They will kill you over humanism. Go to a gay pride parade for real and talk about the gospel and the, the fact that homosexuality is an abomination. They will beat you to death on the street and step over your dead corpse. That's why people step back from the real thing. I don't want to get my hands dirty. But guess what? Unless you cross that river, unless you engage the enemy, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. You're not going in unless you become a warlord on God's side. He is a commander of an army. And only those that enlist voluntarily in the army are fit to be part of this thing. We've got a heritage of all these folk that died for the gospel. From Genesis all the way through the New Testament, they were butchering them. They never stopped. It wasn't a break. Even the Lord of glory was killed in the middle of Old Testament New. Jesus sits down and is killed, and then the killing continued. And so it didn't pause after Jesus got killed. They were killed all the way up to Jesus and killed right on after him. And that's our inheritance. But what's happened? The devil has brought in a placebo. Says your best life is now. Every day is Friday. Calm down. Calm down. Everybody just relax. Don't have to do all of that anymore. The Lord paid the price. He wants you to prosper. Be prosperous. Be blessed. And just prosper it. Thank you, Jesus. And that sounds right to people.
because they've been so homosexualized by these soft-spoken little sissy guys that that kind of a guy is more normal than a regular John Wayne, Patton, Meg Arthur, John Eisenhower type of guy, this old cigar-smoking guy coming in to blow up something and blow everybody up and take the kingdom by force. They want a prissy, sissy, pristine, cutie pie, tenderoni, tiptoe through the tulips, girly man. And that's normal. No war, no confrontation, no conflict. If you can look at that Bible and not see conflict, it's something wrong with you. When you speak up with the gospel, it's going to bring conflict. That religious self-righteous spirit is the dirtiest spirit on earth. That's what they drug across. Remember, they came into the wilderness as worshipers, worshiping a golden calf. They didn't leave off religion because Egypt is religious. They still want to worship another image of a foreign god. And the god let them die off one by one. It took the warlike nature out of the men. Remember, the men of war that should have been suited for war is the ones he let die. Something in Egypt drained the warlike nature out of the man. He became castrated, a eunuch, emasculated, effeminized. All these young boys act so girly, man. That's the one thing I, I take away from these young boys nowadays. They act just like girls. You talk to one of them, they act just like a girl when you talk to them, like a sister. Where I grew up at, they wouldn't survive, man. I don't care how big or small you were, they made you fight. You had to fight every day just to walk around. Somebody trying to beat you up just for nothing, just slap you. Playing basketball, they boring y'all in the chest, knocking y'all down until you got up and fought. They, those older guys would make you fight in my neighborhood. They saw you being tender. You don't fight this dude, boy. If you don't fight this dude, all of them going to jump on you. I guess I had to just take him on then. You know. Better just him than all y'all, you know. But now, if a boy shows any masculine character traits in school, written ADHD, ADD, he got a problem. Because these old tender teachers that came through these stupid schools teaching them education don't know how to handle a rough boy. If that was your mama's mama, she tightened his butt up in that classroom, I bet you. Time out. Now, Johnny, Johnny, you're, going to not, you're not going to have any cookies when we take our snacks. You go stand in the corner for five minutes. Five minutes. Turn face the wall for five minutes. He over there cussing. Yelling. Throwing stuff from the corner. Throwing tantrums. Throwing his shoes out into the classroom. <laughs> you, need some, you need some more men teachers what you need. And I ain't talking about no sissies. The classroom is full of sissies. You got a lot of sissy teachers. Sissy principals. Sissy assistant principals. That's just like having a little third grade girl or something over the boys. You need just a regular guy walking around talking to those young boys like a man. Boy, come here. Come on back to my office with me, boy. And get him in there. What is wrong with you in that classroom? I'm going to tell you what. 
I'm going to check on you every day in that classroom. You get out of hand one more time, boy, you're going to deal with me. And Mr. Johnson's in a six foot four, 280 pounds. I'm not playing with you. Look, I'm not your mama, boy. I'm not that teacher you're dealing with, boy. It's me, boy. Now get on back to that third grade classroom. You sit your behind that desk and you get your lessons. You hear me, boy? Yes, sir. See, that's what you need. There's an element of fear that has to be put on a boy. Because he's not going to be afraid by nature. He's not going to be afraid of a woman. You can forget that. A, a boy not going to be afraid of a woman. He's not going to be. You can think you're spanking him all you want. Let him get up some size. He's going to stand there looking at you while you're spanking him. You, you're through yet? So now you got to go to emotional blackmail. Now you're breaking him down in motion. Now you become a girl. Because you can't discipline him like his daddy can. So you got to switch up. Once the boy gets some size, he can, that could be like seven, eight years old. You can't touch that boy. You don't, you don't phase him because he ain't scared of you. NFL coach used to rule their team by fear. Folk was scared of those coaches. <laughs> you didn't fool around no Tom Landry. Tom Landry. Tom Landry didn't look at you. He, coach looking at this coach. Hey, that coach looking to stop. <laughs> now, they try to call him and, you know, make him, don't hurt him. Yeah. Let him wear his hair at his helmet. He like his hair long. And Tom Landry, you got a haircut, bro. You got to cut your hair, bro. The Green Bay Packers, for real? The Pittsburgh Steelers, Chuck Knowles, Chuck Knox, all those boys back in the day. Are you serious? This is what society has become. LeBron James walking in to the arena with a purse. James Harden with his purse. Dwayne Wade with his skinny jeans. His capri pants and loafers. His penny loafers. Somebody needed to take a baseball bat and just. And everybody, I say it, and everybody all right with this. Everybody just fine with it. You'll walk out of here and you'll be cool with it. Just go on back home and just live your life. Everything cool. I ain't cool with none of this. I feel this all week long. I hate everything about it. I'm trying to pray to God to destroy everything. It's, I'm, why don't we just end this? That's my prayer every day. If I'm fasting, why don't we just end the world? I don't know we're not going to end the world. Why don't we just end the world? Why, why are we sustaining this? Why don't we just go on and get this thing over with? But is there a reason for this to go on every day? I don't see no reason for this to exist. I, in my opinion, my humble opinion, we need to go ahead on and off this thing and just. That's my, that's my intercessory prayer. The end of human suffering. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people dying every day because they sustain, they, they hold the food back from them. It's enough food on this planet to feed the world a million times over. They hold the food back to starve them to death on purpose. Talking about the economy. You are lying. You starving these people to death on purpose because you see them as nothing but useless breeders and feeders. They're having babies and they don't add anything to anything, starve them to death. That's what Africa is right now. 
with all those natural resources, they come and rape and pillage Africa, take all the natural resources and starve the people to death. Sierra Leone, diamonds laying around like rocks. You try to get one and leave the country with it, they'll kill you. Cause it would upset the diamond market. Those folk got diamonds, man, you go a few feet underground and find diamonds just treasure troves of diamonds. But see, so you, you take them out of here and the price of diamonds will implode. So they keep the people restricted and bound so it's not the, the getting of that stuff out of that country to make those people rich. It's a dirty place, man. This is a low-down place. There's no need for this to go on. God is having mercy to save a few remnant people. And that's it. After that, he knows it's evil. God knows every evil happenstance on this planet and it's not going to go on like this much longer. We got to get a fighting force that he's got to draw in from the east, west, north, and south, amalgamate them, consolidate them, a new breed, not bound by Egypt, not bound by this world, not even interested in the political structures of this, this place, don't care nothing about Republicans or Democrats and all this Trump junk and all this other garbage. And we have been extracted from the world at large to do a final end time work for God. A new breed, the new breed is necessary, circumcised at Gilgal with that Egyptian flesh rolled away so God can use this last end time army to accomplish his purposes. And you better know this as you leave here today and by way of live stream, the chances of you being a part of that army are slim to none. Everything I'm saying for most cases and most of you all is totally unapplicable because you ain't got the intestinal fortitude to go, go through with what's necessary to become that person. The hours of arduous fasting and prayer, the discipline, the refusal to be denied, most people just don't have the intestinal fortitude to sustain themselves. They're going to give up and go back. They kept saying we should go back to Egypt. That's where most people will end up. They're not going to cross this final river. But for those that will, the few, the chosen, the elect of God, God is saying, look, I'm looking for a new breed. And I'm going to raise them up, anoint them, and use them to harvest this world one last time to get my remnant people out. He's going to have a perfected church, no spot, no wrinkle, no blemish. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of whether or not you'll be a part of it. But I'm telling you, it's an arduous task. It's a, it's a disciplined task. You can't be with anybody else when you do it. It's an individual affair that cannot be faked. You got to want this thing for you more than you want to live. I got to be a part of what God is doing at all costs. And whatever price I got to pay, I will pay it. I want to be one, one of the new breed. Father, we thank you for this time of sharing. Thank you. All right. So, you know, a lot of people would consider that hard preaching. You know, I personally, I call it God's grace. Because you don't have someone that's seeking something in the world for himself. You know, he's interested in people getting saved. He's interested in people going as far as they can go. 
not trying to get a few dollars and cents here and there, not trying to gain popularity. You can't gain popularity with preaching the real gospel. When you're preaching the real gospel, you are going to offend people. People are not going to like what you said. And what you find is there are a few people that are going to be willing to say, you know what? What was said is true, and I want to be a part of that. But I don't bring these messages to take away God's joy in us, in our peace. I just want to bring reality to us that we are a part of a lineage that has gone to war with the enemy, I mean, since the very beginning. And unless we understand, and this is what's kind of keeping the church back, is because we find ourselves, you know, not seeing the enemy where he is. You know, where God would say, that's your enemy, we would say, no, this is my job. This is my friend. This is how I make my living. This is what I do what I do. That's a good, you know, this is whatever. But we need a fresh perspective and understanding God. Why? Because when we recognize that this world has so many enemies within it that are against God, you will want to see people delivered. But unless we look at things as this is holding someone back, this is keeping them from the gospel, this is keeping me from preaching the gospel, then we're not going to have that perspective to really see that we are at war every day. So let's get started. Let's go to Psalm 16. If anybody wants to add anything, they can. But, you know, I just thought that that was beneficial. Messages like that keep me sober. I can't speak for anyone else, but that always lets me know where I am. And the Bible tells us, and, and I think it's in 2 Corinthians 13, where it says, examine yourself. See if you be in the faith. So messages like this are good because we need self-examination. Because we, outside of that, we can really go into delusion. We can really start to mentally ascend that we are more than what we are. And I know what people will say, God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. It is. But what we've got to learn is to yield ourselves to Jesus. Jesus is that easy and light burden. Why? Because he's done it before. He's the conqueror that is within us. So if we allow Jesus Christ to work in us, you will find it to be easy. Because it won't be you standing there doing the talking or the casting out devils or going into places that we know will make us feel uncomfortable. It'll be Jesus. This is about bringing forth Jesus to do a work in 2018. But what we do is we want the Holy Ghost, but we want to remain ourselves. And when we do that, in many cases, there's no room for Jesus. He's not going to consume every ounce of your life. But what he will do is when I need to use you, I'm calling on you. You remember like in Acts chapter 9, the guy Ananias was sitting there minding his own business. And the Lord said, Ananias. And he said, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said, hey, I got a guy named Paul that he has been a chosen vessel for me. I want you to go and lay hands on him. Ananias had a life too. But when God called on Ananias, Ananias was available. And that's what we need to learn to be is available for the Lord. Amen. And I'm telling you, when I, when I spoke up in that meeting last week, and saying how Jesus was my Lord and Savior, man, you know, I never felt more lonely in my life. But that's the time that we're coming into. This is the world that we're walking into. We've got to learn to be strong for Jesus. Uh, listen, how the preacher was like, uh, it's like a symphony to my ears. Oh my God, it's beautiful. It's refreshing, you know, when you hear the real gospel. I agree. Yeah. It just makes you feel a little less insane. You know, yeah. You'll say things like that. Mm -hmm. and you think you're insane, and then. Mm -hmm. It's like a common understanding. It's the truth. Right. You think everyone would be on the same page. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely right. Yeah, Martin. So I got a question. When you had yeah. the, the meeting, you said you never felt so alone, but did you feel the 
love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, was yes. there with you. Yes, absolutely. But I meant like you felt alone, but like emotionally, you're. Yeah, I was right, good, right. but I remember before I spoke, I remember like the devil trying to tell me, "Sit down, shut your mouth. This is not a good way to start the year. People lose their jobs. This is how it, you know, it came." And I remember feeling that in my gut. And I was, you know, kind of questioning some things. Is this an appropriate time? But I'm like, you know what? If everyone else in here is lifting up their hero, then I'm going to lift up mine. People are going to know from this day, if they're new or old, who I represent here. You know, so before I actually spoke up, I did feel whatever it was that was on me back off. And when I spoke, I felt the presence of the Lord reinforce it. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, man, this is just the way it is. But, you know, the devil every day will try and get you to shut your mouth. And we got to recognize, like you're saying, God is there with you. So I did feel his presence. And I remember I kind of felt like, um, well, I don't know how Jesus felt, but I remember that, that verse in um, Luke 4 when it says that he read from the book of Isaiah. He went and sat back down and he said all eyes were fastened on him. I did notice at times people were looking at me like, why are you so religious? Why are you bringing this up? And there was only one guy on the side that was like, <laughs> and he got quiet or whatever when everybody looked at him. But, you know, he spoke up. But, you know, we can't be afraid. We got to try this Jesus. Is he who he says he is? You know, we've got to believe him, man, in everything that we do. What was this meaning? It was like an orientation to come in. And they were saying, name three things. Like if you're an... Um, if you woke up one day as an animal, what would you choose? What place would you like to go? What famous person in history would you like to meet or be your hero? So I was like, oh, man, this is perfect because I know who I'm going to bring up because it's his story after all. Everybody else is just playing a role in it, but this is all about Jesus. So when I spoke up, even people that were really cool with me were like kind of just I could feel like they're backing off. You cross the river. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because river. even when I turned around and I was like, yeah, you see, um, you think we'll have time to do whatever. He was like, I don't want to be identified with you. You know, we can talk after the meeting, but I can't be seen talking to you now. Yes, sir. You know, too, that actually keeps us in reality to uh, people saying, oh, yeah, we got your back and we're your friends and everything like that. Until you mention the name of Jesus. That's why David said in Psalm 120, he said, when I spoke, it was 120 and 7, but he said, um, I thought that we were all at peace. He said, but when I spoke, I found out that they were for war. Mm -hmm. You know, but when you speak for Christ, that's exactly what comes up. So, you know, Psalm 16. Psalm 16, let's look at verse 1. This is, um, what is it, Mictrum of David? Mitram of David, and it says in verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent, in whom is all my delight. So notice we got a, a, a kind of selflessness here of David, kind of like an early forerunner of the gospel he says one he puts his trust in God and he said his soul thou hast said unto the Lord thou art my Lord my goodness extendeth not to thee but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight so David delights in loving his neighbor loving his brother his delight is in one recognizing who God is and holding them in high reverence but also to have himself available 
unto the saints of God. Look at verse 4. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. So what David is looking at here and what you would have done if you were a child of Israel, you would have heard stories of, because it goes all the way back to Abraham, you know, with Isaac and, you know, how he had to sacrifice his son. You would have heard stories of Abraham freeing his nephew Lot from the race of giants that were in the world. See, even Abraham went to war. You know, and we're not talking about physical war or going out and taking a physical fight to the world, but to understand the great heritage that we were a part of. David is recognizing here a heritage. You would have heard of Moses. You would have heard of the crossing of the Red Sea. David himself, you know, participating in slaying Goliath and fighting against other giant tribes. But all you would have heard of are the few that were conquerors of, of God that were in your lineage. And I think that's what inspired them. If you read the story of the three Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter 3, it makes clear that they, you know, got into the fire. But there's the book of Jasher, which I really do believe it's called Book of the Upright One. There was a part of the heritage of the children of Israel. If you read that, I couldn't tell you exactly where I could find it. But Abraham himself was thrown in the fire by his own dad for Nimrod. Okay, because he wasn't an idol worshiper. He told his dad that these idols are all stupid, that this idol can't speak. Why are you trusting in them? So Abraham was thrown in the fire, and a friend of his that wasn't really a believer was killed in the fire also, and Abraham was walking around unhurt, just like the Hebrew boys. And I really do believe that that's what helped give these guys their faith. Remember how the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that we are of a great heritage. And he says all those things that were written were for our examples, for our admonition, our warning, you know, to give us the same faith that we've heard of our brothers and sisters. But a lot of this gets taken away. All right. So then he says in verse seven, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reigns also instruct me in the night season. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Now, David is one who could write these Psalms and who can say the things that he's saying because we've heard of the stories of David. We heard that he had faith when a lot of people didn't. David is a living witness to everything he proclaims because in order to go up against a 13 foot giant with six fingers and six toes and double sets of teeth, you would have had to have been a man of faith when your whole army wouldn't back you up. So these are things that we ought to understand about those who believe Christ. David here is speaking because David's been tried. So he says he will not be moved because God is with him. Verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou will not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So you know that this is also talking about Jesus Christ. Then it says in verse 11, thou will shew me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. 
So David wasn't just speaking of himself. He was also speaking of the coming of Jesus Christ because he says, at thy right hand will his pleasure be forevermore. So David is here speaking about, one, the path of life, which we later learn is Jesus Christ, and how what he would do would not be in vain, how he knew that God was going to bring a Savior. He knew out of his loins would come forth Christ. So this is something that we've got to recognize as this great heritage. Because when I listen to men like Henry Groover, and I read of men like A.A. Allen, R.W. Schombach, R.D. Hinton, Burt Clinton, and Pastor Price, which you just heard, Derek Prince that talked about spiritual warfare and all these guys, man, our lineage is dying. We're starting to find there's a huge gap between those guys that were doing the will of God, real warriors, real warlords for Jesus, and the people today, and how we are. You know, what we've been reduced to is church people. I mean, and I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm just saying that, man, there, there's something that happened between those guys leading people to do what was right and those guys taking on the fight. Where did we end up dropping the responsibility and not pursuing what God says? Why are we praising men like Henry Groover when he should be one of us, when we should be just like him? But this, this happens because those men grew up in a time where they didn't have as much distraction. They didn't have as much technology and all the fun that's being promoted today. At the time when these men were preaching, church and state were somewhat together but separate. You know, the church was free. But now what we're seeing is a new intellectualized gospel and all these things going on where men are finding new ways, 12-step programs, this and that, when really all it was is about Jesus dying, letting the veil be torn, letting us all be able to come to Christ personally, and we can ask, seek, and knock for what we want. But look at the discipline that's gone. Look at even Matthew 26, when Jesus came back and found his disciples asleep. And Jesus said, you guys cannot even pray with me for one hour. Now, see, to us, an hour of praying sounds like, man, an hour? But Jesus was holding it in low regard, like, you mean to say you guys couldn't pray for one hour? So what's happening to the people of God? Where are we getting to this place where we don't have time for him? How come we can't pray through for a breakthrough that other people may be saved? These are the kind of things that God is talking about. So, you know... Um, Let's go to John 17. This is a detour from the path, but I want to go here real quick. John chapter 17. Yeah, it's interesting how quickly the world can just throw so many distractions at us, and we're actually told to pray without ceasing, and mm -hmm. then even just saying that, mm -hmm. wow, only, only an hour, huh? And mm -hmm. you're right, like an hour does seem like a long time, but mm -hmm. not compared to people who are supposed to pray without stopping. No, you're absolutely right, man. And, you know, it's, it's getting close to God is almost like anything else in so many ways. Because I remember when I felt myself straying, that I knew something had come into me. Because when I would pray, there was a desire to get up from my knees and go back to what I'm doing. And I remember I said, Lord, you know, you're going to have to break me from this. And I began, you know, praying in little doses, maybe like five minutes at a time. You know, then it was like 10 minutes every hour on the hour. Then it came to a point, I remember just running down on my knees. I couldn't wait to talk to God because the veil is being lifted. Your soul is being trained to follow your spirit. But all of these things come with time and it won't seem so far. But when we have to live a disciplined life and condition ourselves to do what God says, 
you know, some things are going to take time. Okay, um, I do want to bring up this point concerning Jesus, but uh, I'm trying to find the place where he mentions um, sanctification. Okay, look at verse, um, let's start at verse 12. Now look at this, this is Jesus, John 17 and verse 12. He says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in my name, in thy name. Uh, those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now you know that this is speaking of Judas Iscariot that betrayed Jesus. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. And the word hath, I mean, I've given them thy word and the world hath hated them. So the world hated them because Jesus was giving them the word and they were sticking to it. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So what we got to understand is Jesus said things to the disciples that they probably weren't ready to hear or didn't feel like hearing. But, you know, every time they would talk about the beautiful temple, every time they would mention other things like, oh, well, we should put Elijah, Jesus, and get a memorial for all three. You know, the father came and, no, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But Jesus was always guiding them, always directing them, always trying to get them to understand what the true path was. Okay, and that's important that we understand this because only the truth is what's going to sanctify. If I play on people's emotions in here and I lie to people and I tell you what you want to hear and how you can have your best life now, then I don't really love you because what I'm doing is entangling your soul in the yoke of bondage. But he's talking about being sanctified through the truth which is in Christ. So look, he says, um, look at verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through thy truth. So what we've got to understand is it ain't just a message that's being carried that, that um, or, or that's being delivered is not just the sanctification, but it's also us, the vessel that is presenting what needs to be presented, okay? Jesus said he sanctified himself so that he might sanctify others. This is something, a, a scripture I've been meditating on for a few weeks, and the Lord's been really on my case with that I'm finding myself, you know, bending to and yielding to. I took my little Nintendo and all that back there, I threw that mess out. But the thing is, is like the whole point is I, I recognize if we are bound to some things, if there's things that we don't mind, these things can come against God. These things can go against the things that he wants. But he made clear that when you sanctify yourself before God, that makes you a vessel that you can preach the gospel. And see, this is a big part of the old pathway. I love what David Wilkerson said. He said, there's no dead ministries. There's dead pastors. When you see dead ministries, there's dead pastors. There's dead teachers. So, you know, I like how the Lord took a lot of my questions and threw it right back on me. Hey, 
you can get more sanctified. You can spend more time with me. You can do what is necessary to go out and reach more people. And you know what? I'm glad that the Lord did that. Why? Amen. Because we need to know the truth. This is no good to us if Jesus walked one way and he said that he sent his disciples into the world that way. And I'm trying to find a new way. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, be, you know, be greater than my master by looking for a kinder, easier, gentler way to preach the gospel. When really, it's got nothing to do with the delivery. It's whether or not Jesus Christ is speaking through you. Yep. Jesus Christ is the only one that can win a soul. And the bottom line is we've got to make this house suitable that Christ can live in and he can work through. Okay, I'm not saying everybody accepted Jesus's gospel. But one thing is for sure was they was they were convicted with that truth. So this is something that we just need to recognize that this is all a part of the old path. What Jesus spoke is what most people would have said. Yeah, exactly. Why would it be any different? But today. Man, you fasted and you praying and all that. Man, you're taking this way too serious. So we got to ask ourselves what side of things we're on. Do we want to walk the old pathway where we know is Jesus Christ and what he laid down? Or do we want to find our new way aside from the truth to do the things that we want? I'm telling you, you got these false prophets running people ragged every single way. I mean, they got 31,000 flavors of the gospel, and it's whatever the one, whichever one tickles your fancy. And people will say, oh, there's all kinds of ministers. Yeah and no. There are all kinds of ministers. Like, you will find Peter had a very bold gospel, and Peter was very blunt with what was what. John had a more intimate gospel, but John was still bold. Paul had an intellectual gospel that would break down things, but they were still led of the Holy Ghost. If you look at all these guys' messages, there was no difference. Okay, they might have put more emphasis on certain things because of their relationship with Christ. But one thing they did not do was reinvent something new. They kept talking about the Old Testament. They kept talking about the old prophets. Even Jesus quoted Isaiah, you know, and so many others because he was bringing what was known as the heritage unto today. But where are we as believers, man? The devil is trying to dilute our water. And you know what? We just got to wait for the drink of the Amen. Lord. We can't allow this devil to take us any further from the truth than we need to be. Why? Because if Jesus Christ did it all and we all believe that he died for our sin and we all believe that it was finished on the cross, then we need to walk the way that he walked. That's what this is about. Amen. So let's go to um, let's go to Jeremiah chapter six, Jeremiah chapter six. And, you know, it's not in me to say who's saved or not. I just got to make sure I am. Okay, that's the point that I'm making. But the thing, too, is is when the Lord reveals things to you where you recognize, man, the lineage is suffering, things are happening, then, man, we got to speak up to save people. We got to draw back to where it once was. We got to draw from that well that only we know the living water is from. Yes, sir. What I'm noticing, too, is, is that these sissy love messages that are coming from the pulpit today because of how weak they are, how weak they even make the unbelievers. Because it's like you speak direct to people today and they're just like, it's almost like they can't compute what you're saying because that, that firmness that was established in us when we were younger, you see the young generation coming up today, you're direct with them and they crumble. You know, and you give them a simple command to do something or you're just, you're telling them something and 
They don't. It's like they don't comprehend what you're saying because they don't understand the directness. Absolutely, and I think it's more of an American thing than anything. Because one thing I've learned about being around people from other cultures and other races, mm-hmm. and you know, places they speak very plain, mm-hmm. almost to the point where in America it would be considered rude. Yeah. But they're not being rude. They're just telling you the truth. Someone says, "Hey, you want a drink of water?" No, I don't want a drink of water. You know, why you gotta say it like that? Why couldn't he say no? Thank you. He's answering your question. Do you want the truth or not? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being polite, but we've become so soft-soaked that there are even kids in my, you know, in the school that are not wanting to be identified as boy or girl, even though you can look. There's clearly a girl there. Where have we come to the place where we can't even see that a man dressed in leggings and then, you know, in drag? is a man, but if we say that we offend the person, where are we going with truth? What is happening to us? The devil has flip-flopped the world upside down. It wasn't enough that he tried to pervert the gospel, but now he's going after the very image of God to destroy it. Mm -hmm. And the more we see abnormalities and we find those things normal, then things begin to flip in our psyche. And, you know, I'm not going to be quiet. They told me to tell one of the students, you know, we'll call them they, I said, I'm calling them what they are. And if you don't like it, you can get rid of me. But that's the bottom line. You are who you are. But it's time for all this foolishness to go away. Because truth is being lost. This is what's happening. Sorry, I want to speak on just that last scripture talking about um, Jesus talking about sanctifying himself through the word. You know, Mm -hmm. And it's funny because we, I mean, myself included, just always wondering how you know, to be more like Jesus and walk this thing out. And he just clearly shows the holiness in it and talking about sanctifying himself through this word, which is spirit and truth, you know? And I just love that because that's our perfect model of how we get a heart more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Just reading this word and letting it do its thing inside of us. Amen. Absolutely right. What does it say? The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing through to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Man, God's got to do some surgical work within us. Man, it says even down to the joints and marrow. I mean, this word will clean you out if you truly want the truth. Why most people are offended by the gospel is because they're in darkness and they don't want the truth. We all sat up under, you know, people telling us about Jesus and we were offended at one point. But over time, you start to crave and thirst for that truth. Why? Because like Carlin said, God's work, his word is doing a work in you. And this book is all about correction. And once you've had it wrong and you recognize the truth, you don't want it any other way. You appreciate the truth. What else am I doing so we can really dig in and get more of you out of us or in us? All right, so this is Jeremiah 6. Let's look at verse 1. It says, O ye children of Benjamin... Gather yourselves to flee out of the midst of Jerusalem and blow the trumpet in Tekoa and set up a sign of fire in Beth, oh man, here's these names, Beth Hakarim, I guess that's it, Beth Hasarim, uh, for evil appeareth out of the north uh, and great destruction. I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. So he's talking about his people in um, Israel. The shepherds with their flocks shall come unto her. They shall pitch their tents against um, against her round about. Uh, they shall feed every one in his place. Prepare ye war against her. Arise and let us go up at noon. 
Woe unto us, for the day goeth away, for the shadows of the evening are stretched out. Arise, and let us go by night, and let us destroy her palaces. For thus hath the Lord of hosts said, Hew ye down trees, and cast them out against Jerusalem. This is the city to be visited. She is holy oppression uh, in the midst of her. So what we find about Israel is, you know, Israel seems to be taken down and away from what it once was. He said at once it was delicate and comely, but now there are people pitching their tents against it. You know, and Jeremiah spoke a lot about what Babylon would end up doing to Israel. Now, we know you don't have to read more than two chapters anywhere in the Old Testament, and you'll find out that Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Israel turned from the Lord and went back to their wicked ways. So what he's talking about here is Israel has got a problem and Israel is oppressive. So he says in verse 7, As a fountain casteth out her waters, so she casteth out her wickedness. Violence and spoil is heard in her. Before me continually is grief and wounds. So, you know, let's look at areas of ourselves and things that we go through where, you know, I do believe that most of us have sincere hearts toward the Lord. But there are things also in our lives that we're not ready to quite part with because we might not have heard the Lord's instruction or in many cases we may have heard, but we don't believe. Okay, we feel like, whoa, if I do that, then I'm going to be left. But remember how Paul talks about in the Old Te in the New Testament, not to quench the, um, the uh, not to frustrate the grace of God, not to quench the spirit. But in many ways, this is what Israel is doing unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. So it says in verse 8, Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee, lest I make thee desolate, a land not inhabited. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall thoroughly glean of the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets. To whom shall I speak and give warning? that they may hear. Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. So you see, like we talked about a little while ago, we should love what God wants to present to us. I don't care how it makes us feel. Is it true? Okay, every time God gives us instruction, we've got to ask ourselves, you know, do we do we honor this as a treasure and want to follow it? Or do we go back and do the things that we want to do? But he's making very clear here, the ear is uncircumcised. So if an ear is uncircumcised, that means that they can't quite hear the gospel. They're not ready to. They might have heard it, but they still say, you know, I just don't think that God would do things quite like that. That's why I'm going to send you guys that video, uh, God is a Killer. Okay, and it's not going to be the way I'm saying it now, but I think you guys should check it out because, you know, it sobers you up to really understanding who God is. So he says their ears are uncircumcised and uh, cannot hearken. Uh, behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. I mean, come on, guys. When we don't read our Bible, there are times we feel like getting into his word. There's times we don't feel like it, but he's making it clear here that we can be stopped up many days from the world. And then, you know, we pray that stuff out and all of a sudden we're back with God where we need to be. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, let's bring up this point in verse 11. 
Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men. Together, for even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the aged with him that is full of days. So Jeremiah said, he's full of God's fury. One thing God's speakers will do, men that are truly of God, God will give you his heart. God will, the way that he feels about it, he wants you to feel so that you can present the word properly. Okay, so he's making clear, I'm not sparing anything. I'm full of God's fury right now. I don't care if they're old or young, whatever the situation is. He said, I'm sick of holding back. I'm going to let it out the way that it is. And remember what Jesus said about when he went into the church and he saw that they were, um, you know, making money in the, in the temple. What did Jesus say? The zeal of my father's house is eating me up. Jesus couldn't take. Excuse me. He couldn't take it anymore. He went right in there, made him a scourge, a whip with a scourge, and went in there and tore butts up out of the temple, turned over the tables and threw them out. So, you know, he was sick of holding back the truth. He was sick of seeing what he was seeing and dealing with it. Now, this is not all about losing your temper, but you see, we all got to get to the breaking point of when enough is enough. Either we're going to turn back to the truth of God. We're losing our children in schools to all this filth and all this garbage and all this entertainment. You know, you've got the pastors compromising. You've got all sorts of things going on. When will we get to the place of enough is enough? What the Lord feels, I feel. And by whatever little means I can to have the Lord in me, I'm going to make a difference. But a lot of people are compromising. They're shutting their mouths. Because they haven't yet gotten to this place where God gives you his heart and you have to speak. Mm -hmm. You just can't take it anymore. That's right. Verse 12, and their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. You guys know what covetousness is? Yeah, and greed, you know, it's those sort of things that, you know, desiring things that are not of God. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. The prophet unto the priest. The prophet is supposed to be the man that hears from God, like Jeremiah, you know, thus saith the Lord, and go and tell the people for correction. The priest is the ones that are supposed to be making sacrifices in the temple for the people. And even they've gone bad. So we're looking at a corrupt society from the inside out because, and, and we're going to understand why this happened. Look at verse 14. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly saying peace, peace when there is no peace. And this is what's going on today. Instead of letting people know where we are in this desolate world and what we need to do, don't worry about it, God. The Lord loves you all. The Lord loving us was never the issue. He loved you before he knew you. He loved you while you were yet sinners. He, saw, he sent the Savior. So the problem isn't love. The problem is people are getting a false reality of God. Although we should be shouting from the rooftops about our need for Jesus, we're hearing people tell us, man, don't worry about it. Peace, peace. I'm telling you, you go and you tell this to anybody that you go to church with that is not ready for Christ, and the first thing they will try and do is turn that water hose on called love 
to try and drown you out. Mm. All right, brother, you too. You know, I get it, but you got to understand God's love. That's not what this is about. This is about the truth. Are we offending God? Are we straying from the path? Are we doing the things that God calls us to do? Remember, it's his will, not ours. But one thing the devil will do is turn you back into yourself. Don't worry about nothing. That's not what I'm hearing here. You know, they're, they're uh, pacifying the people with peace. And there's no peace. Israel's about to be destroyed by Babylon. Look at verse 15. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Yea, I mean, or nay, uh, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. So what he's saying is, when you guys were out there, this is an amazing thing about us Christians. When we were sinners, we were the best sinners that we could possibly be. We would dance all night, ask for another drink at the bar, you know, live the way we live. We had, I mean, you would even tell people straight out, man, yeah, I'm just partying. I'm just having a good time. You know, I'm going to lay up with one of my girls. You know what I'm saying? But that's how people thought. They were so bold in living the wrong way. But now when it comes to God, you know, they didn't even blush when they were like that. But now that God's ready to judge them, they can't even hear him. Mm -hmm. And something is wrong. Look at verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. So as you can see, he's God is saying, ask for the old paths, ask for my wisdom, ask for my knowledge, want the mind of Christ, want God's wisdom. That's what will get our butts out of the ringer that we're in. If we just desire the old path, Lord, you gave Paul, Peter, and all these guys this power. I've been baptized twice, and I want to know, where's the power? What's keeping me from receiving what they received? What's keeping me from walking as they walk? I feel a little bit cheated, Lord. I feel like, you know, in some ways, I'm supposed to be a part of this inheritance, but there's none of what I've seen in the book of Acts in me. I believe me, God will not be offended if you came at him because he knows, he says, if you, if you seek and you hunger and you thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. God wants us to desire him in this way. How can we possibly be, be happy with not even holding the mantle of one of these individuals that was doing the will of the Lord? Now, again, every message that we speak, it is about people learning and knowing about Christ. But this is also about the remnant. Why? Because the remnant will receive the truth. Do you really want to serve Christ? Do you really want to walk in the power of Christ? Do you really want to do the things that God tells us to do? Or are we kind of happy and comfortable with where we are? Now, it's not up to me to see who grows and where everybody goes at that time. That's all up to the Lord. I'm not even speaking of that. But are we as hungry for an inheritance that these people had? Do we even want a piece of what this, all, of what this is all about? Or are we comfortable with where we are? Even though we've been around this block many times, and as you can see, man, all this stuff is in vain. I mean, everything that we do almost every day really doesn't amount to much. But man, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, I want to head down the old pathway. What am I lacking, Lord, that these guys had? It can't be, it can't be something that you've done because you hold your word as true. He holds his word above his name. 
But we got to ask ourselves, man, do we really want the old path? Or do we just want to pretend to be that we are who we are? That's something between us and the Lord that we've got to ask him. I don't really, you know, it doesn't matter to me who says what or who feels what. But what the Lord is trying to bring forth tonight is that we need to get back on the path. We need to get back on the path. Why? Because that is the only sure way to go. Matthew chapter 7. Anybody wants to add anything, they can. Um, 7 and verse 13. The Bible talks a lot about paths. There's a lot of paths being mentioned. You know, in this Bible. It's even funny that remember even Paul in uh, Acts 9, uh, he had to go down the street called Straight. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Down the street called Straight to have hands laid on him to do what God wanted to do in him. And what a God. Or the gate named Beautiful. The gate, the, the gate called Beautiful, exactly, where the man was laying there, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you know. And I mean, like I said, for me, I want this to be so a part of my life, not for my own glory, mm -hmm. but I want to see what Jesus Christ can do in 2018. Lord, you know, we need you. This is a desperate situation, mm -hmm. and we all have the potential in here to be like Christ. So that's why the Holy Ghost was so important. And Jesus said, man, if I come, if I don't come, it won't be good for you. I have to go so that the comforter can come and he will bring you into all truth and righteousness. So all the Holy Ghost was meant to do was duplicate Jesus. I'm not saying we're the Messiah, but what I'm saying is the very life that lived in him, we all have the potential to be. Man, if we all believe what we could do to the devil, what we can do to those lost souls of people unsaved. You know, there would be Jesus walking all around this place, destroying strongholds and people being delivered. Don't you want to see Jesus, the man himself, the son of God? Can I make a quick point on Yes, sir. But, you know, we got to hear messages like this. And, you know, earlier, Sam, when you were saying we were listening to Gary Christ and you're like, that's refreshing because... You know, we can get down in our spirits sometimes thinking we're the only one that's preaching this. And not to say that we're supposed to think about ourselves, obviously, but when we have someone on the other side of the country preaching the same thing, it does give us more of that hope. I'm so glad you brought that up because my brother, Calvin uh, Osongo in Kenya, you know, he called me, he messaged me a couple of days ago. Actually, it was like um, maybe last week, but he said... And I asked him, can I pray for him? Because I can feel those brothers' prayers, man, over there. Those guys pray hard. I can feel the Lord preaching into my spirit as I'm sleeping. And he said, you know, I know this may sound kind of worldly, but he said, do you um, pray that I get a vehicle? He said, because I walk 43 kilometers a day almost just to preach the gospel. And, you know, I want to probably get something together, talk to a few people, even a church or whatever, you know, come out of my own pocket with whatever, but I would love to see this brother have a vehicle because mm -hmm. anybody that dedicated to going and preaching the gospel and doing what God says. Now, I know that there are scam artists out there, but this guy is, you know, I believe he's legit, okay? And the thing is, is that the stuff that he tells me that we don't even go through, man, we, we got to understand what this path is about, you know? And it really is for people that dedicated had we not had a vehicle or anything that we used to get around, would we be that dedicated for preaching the gospel? 
man, our hearts have got to get in the right place because that man loves the Lord. And more importantly, he loves people. Mm -hmm. You know, that he's willing to sacrifice himself just for the gospel's sake, just for people. These people are living every day on the edge, don't even know when there's some Muslim group or regiment will come over the hill and kill every single one of them. These guys are actually living it. You know, and I'm not trying to paint fear, Lord, so I just pray that you curve my tongue and, and put me in the right place with you that we can all hear. Serving the Lord is a beautiful thing. It's a marvelous thing. I mean, you don't even know what your purpose is in life until you serve Christ. Yeah, but what we've got to understand is, is that, you know, God really wants us to serve him, to, to reach people. Man, that to me is love. And I'm sitting here talking about my love for people. If I had not had a vehicle, I don't know if I would do that. And I'm only being up front. I can't say because I've never been put to that kind of pressure. But when I dedicate every day to my, of my life of walking that road, just trying to get the gospel out. Because Kenya is probably 95% Muslim. And that's something that we got to recognize. What about those women? The, the women that I played that, well, I sent you guys that video. But she was, um, there's another story. There was a woman that um, said that Islam kind of weakened oh, her. Yeah. She, you know, her God felt distance from her. She said she prayed for all these years and somehow she never knew her God. So she said, you know what, this is too much. I remember having to wash myself many times a day just to try and be godly, I guess, in their, you know, in their sense. She said it just became so much. It felt like it was all for nothing. So she said, I'm going to kill herself. She, so she went to her mom and told her, her mom's got multiple sclerosis, you know, just can't walk and really in bad shape. So the woman said, yeah, I'm going to kill myself. And her mom said, if you're going to kill yourself, then kill me too. And, and like the good Jesus Christ that we know, one night the daughter was in the kitchen cooking, the mom's on the couch watching TV, a broadcast came on where there was a Christian um, Persian pastor that said, you don't have to, if, you, if you're contemplating suicide, you don't have to kill yourself. Call this number, we'll pray for you, we'll take you through the sinner's prayer, and you can have a life with Jesus. So the mom picked up the phone, and she was calling and talking, and the daughter you know, went off. Like, Mom, hang up the phone. You're going to go to hell now in your last few minutes and everything. And she's yelling at her mom. Her mom is crying because she doesn't want to hang up the phone. So the man was like, let me speak to your daughter. So the, the uh, mother gives the phone over to the daughter, and the daughter's really cold and, hello, what do you want? I'm going to kill myself, and there's nothing you can do about it. So he says, okay, if you're going to kill yourself, fine. He said, but give yourself a week to do this. And if Jesus doesn't come through then, you know, then you do what you got to do. And she said, you know what? I'm going to call on this. I'm even going to call on this show in a week. If God doesn't come and answer whatever, I'm going to kill myself on this show. So he said, all right, fine. So she went to bed. The next day, she said she woke up to a sound. And it was her mom walking down the hallway, fully healed. And she was like shocked. So she was like, mom, like, what's wrong with you? You know, whatever. We got to go to the doctor. So they went to the doctor. Okay. I know. But you see, that's how much people don't believe. So she took her to the doctor, and the, and the uh, doctor was like, it's a miracle. We can't describe it. There is no MS in her system. And the daughter was like, no, she has to be. You know, she's got, you know, whatever. And she said, there's nothing in. He said, the imam blessed you. The imam saved you. Now, the imam is their coming Messiah that they believe that they would have in place of Jesus. And she said, when the man said imam, you could just see, like, the smile on her face. 
and she said it wasn't the imam, it was Jesus, you know, that, that healed her mother. And from there, she said when she said that, she felt the life of Christ go right into her. And now her and her mother, they even preach to this day. Look up Padina from Iran. That's her story. But those two, they go into underground churches preaching the gospel because they were, they get persecuted there. And Iran, they treat, they treat Christians rough. But it was just so beautiful that Jesus Christ comes through. But people need to be able to have that life. They need to know what this is. You know, Jesus is good. Look at Matthew 7, and let's look at verse 13. And it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. So as you can see, you know, a lot of people are going into the broad gate. What is the broad gate? The broad gospel. The broad lifestyle. You don't just need to serve Jesus, you know, all the time. Just serve him sometimes. Just give him a little tithe. Give him a little this or that. But go on back to your lives. There are people trying to incorporate other religions in there. So if we don't cling to the old path, look at where we're going to be in 10 years. The gospel won't even be recognized. You know, this is something we got to look at. 14, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. Now, if you're a Christian and you, you want to uh, choose Jesus in your life, this should be a terrifying verse for you and I. If he said there is few, he didn't even say some. He didn't say most. He said few. So everything Pastor Price said tonight was very true about this new breed, about a select group. You ever wonder why you were weird even in, in your church in many cases? You want to know why you didn't even like to go to church when you were young? And I'm not talking about every church, but God was saving you from religion, I believe, in many cases because he meant to use you later. And I hate to say it, in my mom's church, there were a lot of ministers and pastors and people that... They just wasted God's time, man. You know, they didn't want to go any further. They didn't want to do anymore. They were happy in their ignorance and in, in, in what they did in their routine. So it's just something where God is starting to pick his people. And every time when God chooses people, it's so funny. It's never what you and I would pick. Mm -hmm. He went after John the Baptist. He went after David when all his brothers were better looking than David, bigger and stronger. God's looking at the heart. You know, so he went after people like the, like the disciples, the ignorant and the unlearned. They thought he was going to go into the Sanhedrin and bump elbows with the scholars. No, Jesus took it right down Main Street. Give me a few common folk that don't know anything about this false religious mess. And let me show them the path that they can walk in it. God will always do. He'll always throw us a curveball at some point. I want him. And you like that guy? Yeah, that one right there. I mean, but he can barely, that's okay, because God will get more glory through those empty vessels that he can use. Mm -hmm. There is a new breed coming. Remember, in, 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 jo in Joshua chapter 5, when all the men of war, all those men died off, and how Joshua had to circumcise the new breed, that they would go in and take the land. And what were they, 21 years old and under? He took a new breed of people being led by Joshua into the promised land. God is going to do something new because he wants religion outside of his people. Amen. Man, those routines and all. I'm not against church, 
But I'm just making it clear that few there be that actually find Jesus. Few there be that will actually cross that Jordan River and say, Lord, give me all you got. What did, what did Elijah ask for when he followed Elijah through Bethel and through Jericho? And he said, you know, I want a double portion of your spirit. He followed Elijah, you know, the whole time. Elijah finally said, what do you want? I think God wants to do the same thing to you and I. When you're sitting there pleading and begging God for, Lord, give me this. Let me be with you. Let me have more and more. Finally, the Lord will say, you know what? This guy is really serious. He hasn't backed off. So let me bless him with what he needs. Because you see, it's just like the butterfly in the cocoon that needs to struggle through it in order to be able to fly. God knows that if you turn away or if you don't, you know, if you're not that hungry enough for him, you'll treat it just like anything else. You ever notice the things that you have to work for? Those are the things that you appreciate. But it's, it's funny when you don't work for certain things, you don't really care. You know, when, when your mom buys you a jacket or something, you just throw it on the floor. But if you buy it, you, you know, brushing it. This took my own hard-earned money in order to be able to have. Now, I'm not saying you got to work for Jesus. The point that I'm making is, is that God knows when you are that person that is serious. He said, he that um, having his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So God knows this is about a forward movement in him. All right. If anybody wants to add anything, they can. If not, we'll continue. Okay, something real quick. Yeah. Um, with the appreciation thing, take it to as like a relationship. It's like how many times did we let someone come into our life because we thought we wanted to be with that person and because they weren't the right person, we ended up treating them like trash most of the time. Yeah. But then once you get saved and you start realizing, hey, there's virtue and there's the, the, the roles of the man and the woman and there's the respect there and that God leads it. So when he finally gives you somebody, you hold it like, Man, this is it because it came from the Lord, and him. you treat it like it's a, a precious jewel. You treat that relationship like it's a precious jewel because you know it has value because it comes from the and Lord. And also, we've become acceptable mm -hmm. to receiving what God wants right. because we're now right. See, a lot of us will ask God to give us somebody, but we're not right. Mm -hmm. God knows you won't treat that person right. You won't treat that situation right. But when He gives you something. You, you know, it, he'll build you up to the point where he's not going to give you somebody to treat like trash. He's going to give you someone that you're going to appreciate. Mm -hmm. That's the God that we serve. Yep. Earlier you were talking about ministers that kind of gave up, that kind of stopped in their ministry or even growing, mm -hmm. satisfied with where they're mm -hmm. at. And, you know, like, uh, I make mistakes all the time. And I, I see that the Lord doesn't care about the mistakes. Mm -hmm. Where the grace kicks in is the fact that you continue improving. The fact that you seek him more. Absolutely, because, you know, he's right. The journey and going forward with the Lord and doing what he says, we're going to make mistakes. Oh, there were gosh. things that I said I listened to later on, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. You know, now that you have more understanding or whatever, Lord, forgive me. And, you know, if I find it, I'll tell you guys I messed up, you know, or whatever. But he's right, you know. It, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to go through Correction, but it's all about staying on the path. Mm -hmm. Man, the journey is so much more important because, you know, some people would say, why didn't God just take the children of Israel and just throw them in the, um, in the promised land to show his power? But he said he did it to teach them to war. What he was doing was teaching them how to fish. 
okay, so that they could feed themselves. He was teaching them to trust him so that they would have more faith. But if he just brought them in the land, they wouldn't have appreciated it. They didn't even appreciate it after he brought them in. So that tells you something about the nature and how we all need to be born again and changed. So looking at the heart, because God sees the heart. And uh, if you have a repentant, not only a repentant heart, but if you have a heart that is mm-hmm. is pursuing truth and trying to spread the gospel and your, your mm-hmm. heart is in God and in the kingdom, mm-hmm. then that's where grace kicks in. But when your heart is like Saul that says, God, like or saying, says to Samuel, at least mm-hmm. can you do this last thing so that people can, you know, so people can honor me or the people can recognize me, that heart is not in the kingdom mm-hmm. anymore. That heart is caring about what other people think. Exactly. And that's that's the one thing the devil has done to us. He's made us important in the kingdom of God. When really it's all about Jesus. Yeah. That man, this guy is slick. He is so good at what he does and I'm not praising him. But one thing he will do, he's an excellent ballroom dancer. He's going to dance you all the way left or all the way right, but he will keep you off that path. He'll fight you and resist you to go forward. But if you break through in Christ and you believe Jesus, you stay on the path, he'll say, okay, all right, all right, I'll give up. So why don't we find some common ground where you and I can actually get together? And if that doesn't work, he'll entice you with something that he knows is in you to get you, you to go left. you got to break through yourself, exactly. really. Exactly, yep. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and that's why Jesus said, I sanctify myself. We've got to learn to conquer inner space before we get to the outer space because outside of that, we can be bought. Mm-hmm. You know, we can trade in like Esau our salvation for one morsel of meat because of what we truly want. So when we get cleaned out and the Lord works with us and he gives us, you know, that that wholeness, man, then we can go anywhere. We can say anything because at that point you only want what Jesus wants. A man who conquers a city is greater or himself is greater than one that conquers a city. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So Jesus says in verse um, 15. He says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So, you know, deception is going to be an issue. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So, you know, we need to be aware of, we might say things. But how do we really live? What do we really do? You know, it's interesting because I believe, you know, and the Lord's working on me that a man of God will yield to the word of God. Okay. God makes his ministers flames of fire. Verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. So he didn't say, look for a kindly voice. He didn't say, look for a beautiful face. He didn't say, you know, if they're preaching love, then they're preaching me. He said, you will know them by their fruits, their very nature, what's really deep down inside. So that proves that we can't tell with the eyes and the ears. We got to know according to the fruit. Is that why he cursed that that fig tree that had no fruit when he was walking by? Absolutely. That's exactly why, because that fig tree in the end, and one of the kids um, from Emmanuel asked that question, why did he curse the fig tree? But it's true that that tree was supposed to be symbolic for a productive people, you know, like the end times, what would be. But when he looked at the tree and he was hungry, he found nothing on it. So he cursed it that it would never bear figs again. 
You know, and this well, right is before very, that he went to the temple, mm-hmm. and the temple didn't bear any fruit. That's right. So that's what it was resembling mm-hmm. was the temple. Mm-hmm. And he said, "That will you do, and greater yeah. in him." All right. So it says, um, "Where am I?" Uh, verse twenty-one. That everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So that makes clear, okay? There are going to be some people that are going to think that they know Jesus Christ. We've got to know him before we leave here. We have to have no doubt within us that we know the Lord. And I really do believe much of knowing him is being intimate with him, spending time with him, letting him work through you, letting him dictate what goes on in your life. I believe that really does symbolize saved and unsaved. Okay? Verse uh, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So these can even be people that live double lives. You know, the gifts of the Spirit are without repentance. God can give you this. Jimmy Swaggart was still messing with prostitutes in New Orleans while he was just, I mean, this guy has such an anointing, he could play three keys on his piano and people would fall out way in the back of the auditorium um, speaking in tongues, in the Spirit. That's how powerful the anointing this man had that God gave him. But, you know, there was a part of his flesh that he didn't work out that he wanted to run back to, and eventually God pulled the sheets off of him. So even though, you know, I believe it's possible he's been redeemed, He's been serving the Lord for 30 years since then, but he never had that anointing the same. You know, now he's like any ordinary pastor, but God gave him something special. and We got to know what those things are. So, you know, these people probably did all these works, but a lot of them could have been done in vainglory. A lot of it could have been done in, you know, what they thought was right and not hearkening unto what the Lord says. So he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. So, you know, in many ways, the Lord is pointing out something else here. Maybe these people did it without the Spirit telling them to do it. You know, this is possible that they're not being led of the Lord. They're coming up with their own ideas, their own motives. The reason I say that is if you look at 24, he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, Okay, so this comes from instruction from the Lord. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. So one thing we know, like we um, hear in First John chapter 2, remember when John says, they were with us, well, they went out from us, but they were not all of us, because if they were with us, they no doubt would have continued with us. So we know that people that have given them li- their lives to Christ and have anchored themselves in him, when the winds and the floods and all these things come, you're going to still stick with your salvation. No one's going to be able to con you about some new gospel or some new stuff. Hey, man, this is about the old pathway. This is the way that Jesus did it, and this is the way that I want to do it. But I mean, if not, if we're not grounded, we will blow with every wind of doctrine, being tossed to and fro. I've seen it, and it's miserable. When people go to you and, so what do you think about this? And they give you their answer, and you, oh, okay, cool. Then someone else says something, and 
Yeah, I can kind of see your point too. No, either you're going to stand for the truth or not. Either we're going to believe the gospel or not. If this word doesn't mean anything to us, then it is no use to us. We've got to believe God. Verse 26, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. So don't be afraid of ministers that are bold and people tell you what you need to hear because, you know, Jesus Christ spoke as one having authority. You know, that's what this is about. I know we spent a lot of time in other things, but um, I want to go to Acts chapter 20. And I think from there I'll conclude. But, man, this is a book by A.A. A. Allen, and I, I think everybody should get this while it's still out. I got this for maybe 10 bucks, and it's called the price of God's miracle working power. Okay. And there's a section in here called the cross. I mean, there's a lot of chapters in here, man. This, this is an awesome read. It's a quick read. You can probably, if you stay down in it, run through it in like three days, but it's called, um, this is, um, this is one it's called, uh, the price of God's miracle working power. This is, uh, the disciple is not above his master. And, he gives us hints that the 13 things that God told them about is what is in every chapter, 11 chapters of this, but two of them, well, I think he gave 12, but one of them is a secret between he and the Lord. Okay, so, but it says the servant is not above his Lord, uh, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone uh, that is perfect shall be as his master. Then it says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. And then there's one called Christ, our example. Then there's another one that says self-denial. The other is the cross. Then the other one is I must decrease, or I must, yeah, decrease, he must increase. And then there is uh, idle words and foolish talking. See, little things like this, man, can keep us from the path. Uh, present your body. There's another one called a partaker of his divine nature. Then there's personal things. And then there is death certificate. And then there is his prophecy in the 50s that he talked about the destruction of America and what was coming. So he was probably one of the first to receive a prophecy on that. And then Henry Groover and David Wilkerson in 1973 had theirs. So um, Acts chapter 20. If anybody wants to add anything, they can. And, you know, the whole goal tonight is not to make people feel bad. It's really about understanding what God wants for us. How God is going to get all of you guys to where you need to go is not going to be up to me. It's going to be up to your personal relationship with him. He may lead some of us right into battle. He may take some of us and work with us a few years to build more faith. God does things like this, okay? God works with every single one of us individually. He may take us through, you know, we, we're not going to all have the same assignment exactly, but let God move you along right so we can grow strong because, man, we're on a sinking ship. So this is Acts 20. Let's look at verse 16. And it says, For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if he were possible, 
if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. So as you can see, where Paul is here preaching the gospel, he had humility, you know, of mind, serving the Lord. You know, there were a lot of tears in this. You know, things can get rough. And he says, through temptations, and then you had these religious leaders that wanted to get rid of Paul. Verse 20, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but having, but have shewed you and taught you, um, and taught you publicly and from house to house. So Paul wasn't just preaching at the synagogue. Paul was even going house to house, if that's what it meant, for people to learn of the gospel. But he says here that he held back nothing from them that was profitable. So that's why we've got to see this word as really something in the Lord. When truth is being shown, when we realize who we are, thank the Lord for this and ask him to put you on the path. Amen. Okay, we got to stick to what is. Verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God uh, and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. So he taught repentance, turning away from where we are, that we can have Christ. And he taught them to have more faith. Some of the stories that we mentioned tonight, they gave me faith. You know, the woman that was going to kill herself and all these things. These things make you want to believe God and desire him. Verse 22. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Now let's look at one key word here. In verse 22, Paul says, I go bound in the spirit. Now, does this mean that Paul didn't have a free will? No. But Paul, being so convicted, being so full of Christ, he says, I'm going to do what Jesus calls me to do. And he says um, behind that, um, he said, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, um, saying that bonds after afflictions abide me. So remember, Paul was told back in, the, in an earlier chapter, that what would happen to him if he went to Jerusalem? There was a prophet, a real prophet, that came up to him and said, the man that bears this and that or does whatever is going to suffer many things. He will be jailed. All these things would happen to him. So this is what Paul is saying. Look at verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel and the grace of God. So Paul, we got to understand when we're presenting the gospel, we're not trying to get on people's nerves. What we see is people are in desperate need of a savior. People are lost. People are losing hope. Anna mentioned today that some pastor killed himself, hung himself in the bathroom or, or somewhere in the house or something. But you know, they said that he was very depressed. So, you know, you would have to ask yourself, what could lead a pastor to doing this? He sought this outside of Christ. We can never do this in our own strength. So Paul is mentioning here, man, I don't count my life unto me as being something. 
You know, only that the Holy Ghost will get to witness, the gospel can be spread in the grace of God. Now, guys, what I'm mentioning tonight takes time to walk with the Lord that we become more bold. This is not an overnight thing that's expected of you. The only expectation is that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And as the Bible says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what this is about. Verse 25, and now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. So what does Paul mean? He preached the gospel. You know, he's not going to be responsible for anyone that he talked to that if they go to hell, it'll be because they knew the truth and they chose another way. So Paul laid it all out. He said, hey, there's no blood on my hands because I told everyone in Ephesus what they needed to know. 27, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. So he delivered it all. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over, over, the, um, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. So he's telling them to be responsible which what Christ hath purchased with his own blood. So if we really love the finished work of Jesus, if we really understand how great the sacrifice was in Jesus, then we got to know that he purchased this church with his own blood. So man, in order to come up under that banner of Christ, we got to recognize what was being shed, what was done, what great sacrifice was made so that you and I wouldn't bear the wrath of God. That's Jesus Christ. Verse 29. For I know this, that after my departure shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And look at what they will do. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them, meaning after themselves. So he came with the truth. But you're going to find some people speaking perverse things. It doesn't mean that they would just speak things that are like, you know, straight filthy. But what they would do was mix in the lies with truth. What they would do is pervert the gospel, make the gospel confusing. Verse 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So you see, God is able to build us up. He's telling people so they can choose the right path and that we can grow. You can't grow on bad ground. It's only on the good ground, which is God's word. Verse 33. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. I didn't, you know, desire what anyone has. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have shewed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So what are we talking about? That selfless, loving life that God means for us to have. Verse 36. 
And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, and they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him um, unto the ship. So you will find people that will appreciate the word of God. But I love how Paul held back absolutely nothing for the people of God. Because Paul even mentioned toward the end there about the blood of Jesus Christ that bought the church. About how Jesus said it is more blessed to, um, to give than to receive. So Paul stayed with the old pathway. Paul stayed with the ways of Jesus Christ. As we become closer in Christ, we're going to end up making disciples, okay, that will follow after Christ. God is going to build you up that you might be able to lead other people and teach them. So ministry can grow, so things can advance. It's great that we all minister here and we fellowship together and we enjoy each other's company. But I know that God has something special for everyone in here. Everyone's going to have a walk for him to do his will. But man, we got to learn to walk the old pathway. There is no substitute for this great inheritance. Because if we can take Joshua and Samson and Peter and Paul and Jesus, and then we push that aside, and then we welcome Mickey and Donald and Goofy and all the others, and then we call it the same, it's not. You know, we should be proud to be a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Why would we want to be any less when he told us that we could be so much more? So we need to man, get a grip on this inheritance. Let us walk the ways of Jesus so that we can truly be. You want to hear him say one day, well done, thou good and faithful servants. You guys remember that video with the guy saying he saw Jesus or the day of judgment? Remember that guy? I listened to that video again and you know what he said when he got saved? When he, when he made it through? He said that the Lord told him, you don't get a well done. You get a just barely made it. I never heard that before until the other day. But I don't want to just barely make it in. I want the Lord to know who I am. Can you imagine on that last day? You know, Amen. Paul, Henderson, whatever, whatever, going down a list of names. And I'm like, um, Hallett, like, uh, I don't know you. I mean, you know, nothing's going to grip your heart and be more terrible. No, Lord, Derek, Derek Hallett, you know, like, um, Sound of Trumpet Ministries, you know, and all. Man, I'm not going out like that. I want the Lord to know me because I spent time with him, because I've held nothing back. Because on that day, there's going to be nothing more important than getting in. You're not going to be thinking of anybody else, I guarantee you. What you will think about is, man, am I in with the Lord? And when Paul can say things like, um, I have a crown of righteousness laid up for me, and not to me only, but to, unto all them that love his appearing. Paul knew he was getting in because Paul gave his life to Jesus. Amen. I don't know what the Lord is going to do with everyone in here. He may keep you on the job to minister and do what you do. He may take you another route. But one thing is for sure, those who make it in will be witnesses, and they will not stray from the old path. So I just want to say to people with that, I love you. Let's choose Jesus because he truly is the way and the life and the truth. So I'm going to read a psalm here that the Lord gave me. And uh, I don't know, the way he spoke to me about it is there's a lot of stuff that we can 
like just cling on to our lives. A lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of stuff in our past insecurities that keeps us from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe even sometimes we don't even recognize that it's there or we think it's gone and it's really not. So uh, this is simply just titled Let Go. We have a tendency to hold on to so much in our lives. Then later on, we ask God so many times, why, as we cry. We allow so much hurt. We allow, we allow in so much hurt and pain, even at times a depressing rain. Every time we try to handle the situation, we try to handle our own situation, the result is the same. But at the end of each hurtful cry, as we begin to pray, we can hear the, the voice of the Almighty simply say, let go. But in our complicated flesh, we cannot believe it is that simple because we have made so many mistakes, even hurt other people. But once again, as we pray, Lord, help me that I will grow, the voice of the, voice of the Lord says first, you must let go. In frustration, we may ask God, what must I let go of? He'll reply, reply let go of all the pain you've been holding on to forgive and be forgetting break down the walls of unbelief because in doing so you will get rid of a weight of past grief moving forward in the lord is something that we all want to see but what is holding us back that keeps us from being set free is the lord asking us this question but we refuse to hear his voice but remember this too that he always gives us the choice I just hope we choose to listen to the one who has made a way. Let go of the hurtful past, choosing Jesus today. Jesus loves you. That's one of the verses uh, was forgiven, be forgiven, right? Yeah. I think it said forgotten. Oh, yeah, forgiven. <laughs> That's good. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Uh, Sarah and Isaiah 42 and 1. Nice, oh, nice poem. I had that too, bro. Sorry. Oh, no, so I'm glad I didn't read it tonight. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. It, it just came to my heart yeah. when we were gone. That's so crazy. Worked. I probably drove to you or something. Yeah, yeah it just yeah. like sunk in. So I was like, all right, See? go in there. What was that verse again? In the spirit. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 42, 42. verse 1. Verse 1. So we can just get Romans 11. Right. <clears throat> so, behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Um, I guess it's no surprise who we're talking about here. <laughs> Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, 
he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and the spirit to them that walk therein. All right. So this awesome God, as long as we're staying and abiding in his ways, he blesses us with such an awesome gift, technically a key to life. An awesome spirit that all we have to do is stay submitted to, and he'll teach us all things. All right. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. All right, I'm going to read that one more time. Sorry. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison and then that sit in darkness out of the prison house alright so it's kind of cool that we're in this world right I see each and every one of you so yeah Um, we're in this world and yet talking about through this word how we come to know Jesus we start to become sanctified right we're literally set apart even though we can physically see each other right Mm -hmm. but we're different you know and God literally came here to save people right that that's his main mission he wants everyone with him right Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that everyone's going to choose him we saw today that it in fact is completely the opposite right like few people are going to choose him but it's cool that us people, God willing, you know, um, if we're actually walking this thing out, you, you know when God's with you. You know, you hear his voice. You do. And it's not something that you go home and you tell yourself, like, yeah, like, I, I'm pretty sure I hear God, you know. No, that it's something that you literally know. And it's cool that us inheriting this awesome spirit, we get to walk and just be a light to people who don't know anything else. And the truth that they know is what the media feeds them, this temporal place, mm-hmm. and everything that they see. But we know a real truth that brings us true peace because none, none, nothing that we have here gives us any kind of hope or anything like that. We're detached from what what's in front of us. You know, We don't find any life security and insurance money, anything like that, right? Our, we only have one life insurance, and that's the true vibe. Amen. That's right. great. So, I am the Lord, that is my name, not me, but in my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise from the end of the earth, ye that go down to the sea, and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar doth inhabit, let the inhabitants of the rocks sing. Let them shout from the mountaintop, from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory unto the Lord and declare his praise in the islands. So I'm going to go a little more. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. So there's, that's exactly what's going to happen. That's what God is going to do every single time. So 
I have long time holding my peace. I have been still and refrain myself. Now will I cry like a travailing woman. I will destroy and devour at once. That sounds terrifying. I will make waste mountains and hills and dry up all their herbs. And I will make the rivers islands and I will dry up the pools. And I will bring the blind by way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. They shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed that trust in graven images that say to the molten images, ye are our gods. Hear ye deaf and look ye blind that ye may see. Who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger that I sent? Who is blind as he that is perfect and blind as the Lord's servant? Sing many things, but thou observest not, opening the ears, but he heareth not. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. So it's interesting, too. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Uh, you saying the God is a killer thing. I don't know what it's about or anything like that. But so oftentimes we just preach God as seriously this, like, fluffy cloud that just literally, mm -hmm. like, blows hugs and kisses around to everyone you know but right here in Isaiah you clearly see a different side of God um, he is truly the creator of everything and everything that he's doing whether it's destruction it looks like destruction to us or whatever it is it's perfect will of God and it's nothing and evil and anything like that it's for justice sake to make everything better because God's perfect you know you hit the nail right on the head with that that um what Alan was saying about God as a killer. I'm gonna send that to everybody. Cool. But it's a really good um understanding of him. Amen. Alright, um I'm gonna hop over. Actually here, I might as well just finish this. Sorry guys. But I do like that you mentioned verse 16 where you talked about making the crooked path straight. Amen. You know, that way, that same old pathway, you know. Awesome. Uh, and that's so cool. What did you say? Thank you. Uh, it's, it's really cool because um, just thinking about how we read today that straight is the way, you know, and narrow is the gate. And you, you can't stay on that narrow way. You can't find find that narrow way. You can't find that gate on your own. It's Jesus. That's right. Through his word, getting to know him. Amen. You abiding in him consistently. Not something you like tiptoe and go to church, check things off. But like you literally have a relationship with God and he's guiding everything for mm -hmm. you. You know, right. And you believe that and you see that. There's no, mm -hmm. there's no room for doubt in your faith. But that is the only way to get to God. So who among you will give ear, wait, did I read 22? 22? Okay. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey, and none delivereth for a spoil, and none saith restore. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken and hear for the time to come? So, all right, I'm just going to keep going. Who, sorry. <laughs> Who gave Jacob for a spoil and Israel to the robbers? Did not the Lord he against whom we have sinned? For they would not walk in his ways, neither were they obedient unto his law. Therefore he hath poured upon them the fury of his anger and the strength of battle, and it 
hath set him on fire round about, yet he knew not, and it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. So, I don't know why, I was just like thinking about the burning bush the other day, and just thinking about how, well, first of all, a bush was on fire and it didn't burn up. Um, that is mind-blowing, just especially thinking about us around here, like, all these forest fires and things that we've been going through but like us as a sacrifice too like catching this holy spirit or not i mean i guess it it's activated in us when god truly chooses or sees that we're ready to accept this gift and awaken it right so us we have this burning spirit inside of us that is truly a consuming fire you know but here we are still standing right we're, we're still here but we're that light we are that fire we're supposed to be a fervent heat walking around just burning for christ you know on top on top of a hill right that's us walking around but yeah um sorry but those other people who aren't and get too close to that are going to get burnt up and it talks about we talked about even today um just how you'll know people by their fruits so those people that are bearing good fruits they're going to be okay they're going to be that burning bush that continues to burn and their fruits are consistently still growing but those other people are going to burn up because they're going to be cast down and thrown Mm -hmm. in the fire and we got to make sure that we're literally staying submitted like like there's i mean god has grace you know but every single moment you have every single choice you make it's a choice to partnership with god or not you know all right um sorry romans 11 25 Not the only one seeing that it says that you'll know him by the fruit, but then it says people will go to heaven and say, I prophesied, I healed, I did this all in your name, and then you'll say, I don't know you. You guys see that? Mm-hmm. So that's fruit, isn't it? So how do we know them? Well, because, you know, he said they work iniquity, so you would imagine that they lived a double life. You know, they were lawless in some ways. Iniquity means like lawlessness. So they probably, like you might find some that have corrupted gifts, might have used them in wickedness, covetousness. Some people actually, you know, try and use God's power for, for money. Yeah. You know, to, to be made a show or do other things too. So, you know, they're, they're not pure. Because the, remember, the beginning of the chapter begins with hypocrisy. You know how, you know, judge not lest ye be judged. Whatever measure you judge, you'll be judged according to. So that's the beginning of it. And then he sure. talks about the ravening wolves and other things too. So, yeah, I believe it's it's double-life people. It's people not fully given over that want to use God's gifts for vainglory. Mm-hmm. So seeing the heart behind the organization. Because mm-hmm. they didn't put their trust in Christ. They put their trust in what so, I can do. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's what, I, that's what he's bringing me right now. So. And I think about too, like like the fruits of the spirit you know and not necessarily just like I guess the gifts of the spirit because those are gifts right yeah. Yeah. And he also says that he'll give us uh, a spirit of discernment where we'll be able to discern between mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's, I don't think there's one answer, but it's like it just shows you kind of that fine line that we have to be able to see. You know, mm-hmm. it's really fine. And mm-hmm. that fine line, like you're saying too, like we can only trust that Holy Spirit because we know God's <laughs> supposed, God's Word, God's living Spirit doesn't contradict. That's yeah. right. Uh, amen. It's just narrow way. Yeah. <laughs> have to do as well and glorify Him. Yeah, it is. It's totally him. Yeah, because it, those 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 people are usually rooted in the Word. So mm-hmm. when you ask them why they're doing it, there's a Word in there. So it's like you really, it's just the Holy Spirit is all we have to be able to discern those things. Yeah. And then once the Holy Spirit reveals to us, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know? It's like, okay, well, there's something there, but that's not right. That part of it is not right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm going to take the love and the grace and the power of God, but I'm going to throw all that other crap out there because that's not of God right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bold thing to try to discern on your own, too. <laughs> you said those who have a pure heart, they will see the Lord. Yeah, the pure hearted, you know. Yeah, yeah, not so fully gifted. It's a basic thing. Everyone's mm-hmm. gonna see. It has to. That's right. It's a basic. Thanks, Carlos. Yeah, thank you, bro. Romans eleven twenty five. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become it. There's no question, there's no answer. (laughs) It's so all Israel shall be saved as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Thank God. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Amen. Amen. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet now obtain mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. So I love it. It just reminds me of like um, Israel kind of turning away, making space for Gentiles to be grafted in, and then like how was it um, back in Isaiah we were talking about him stirring up that jealousy and then Israel sees that and is like dang I really want that again we messed that up and then Israel coming back to repentance too God's mm-hmm. awesome uh, was that 30? I believe it, uh, verse 32, yeah. 32. Right. for God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that Carlin touched on a lot of stuff that, you know, I guess the Lord wanted them out. But it was just amazing how I wrote down um, Isaiah 41, but I felt like I didn't, 42, but I didn't have time. And the Lord, you know, sent it through Carlin. But I believe the message clear tonight is what the Lord wants is us to walk that path, you know, and to stay on that path. Because 
The Bible talks about how the enemy walketh around seeking whom he may devour. So, you know, we just got to stay with the Lord and have that fresh perspective of where we are and knowing that God's way is right no matter what we don't understand about it. You know, ask for understanding, but God is right. He cannot be wrong. And like Carlin said, you know, everybody paints this picture of God as some, you know, old gray-haired, benevolent old man, you know, in a pink robe that just wants to hug everybody. But, you know, God is God, you know, and we got to treat him as such because aside from him, we've got no hope. Amen. All right. So anybody want to pray out tonight or anybody need to pray for? Heavenly Father, I want to come to you this evening in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And Lord God, I just want to first of all thank you just for being the King of kings and Lord of lords and the Almighty. Yes, Lord. For being a faithful Father, for not treating us as our sins deserve. I want to thank you for your loving kindness, Lord, and, and your grace and your mercy, Lord, and your healing power upon our lives. And Lord God, just guiding us and letting us know that no problem that we're going in our life through going through in our life is greater than you yes lord there's nothing that we are going on in the in this life lord jesus christ that if we give it to you you cannot handle you cannot overcome and as we are overcomers in you lord jesus christ we cannot be overcomers in ourselves thank you jesus because it is only about you lord god if we are here tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, and people listening in, and if we are understanding, if we are comprehending your gospel, that means that a breakthrough from the Holy Spirit happened in our lives some time ago. Yes, Lord. Lord God, you have broken down the walls of alcoholism in my life. You broke down the walls of cigarettes and smoking. You broke down the walls of fornication, Lord Jesus Christ, and you've broken down the walls of insecurity and impatience, Lord Jesus Christ, over the past five-some years that I've come to know you lord jesus christ but it's to also to know that we are in a spiritual warfare every single day of our lives and trusting and believing in you that we enlisted in the army of god yes lord this is not an easy walk and your word never says it's an easy walk lord jesus christ it's a battle but we know that lord god your joy and your peace overcome all things lord god so that means that we can endure the warfare, that means it gives us the confidence to take the battle to the enemy and not to just to stand on the sidelines like Saul's army. We've got to be like David and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That's what you want us to be, warriors for the kingdom of God. Yes, Lions Lord. on fire for you, Lord Jesus Christ, so we can go out there to the highways and the byways and to preach and to teach the gospel. Yes, but we've got to understand that this false love gospel that's being preached today is not your gospel, Lord. You are a God of love, but the God of love is also a consuming fire. He is also the God of truth. Yes, Lord. And that is what true love is. It's not patting somebody down, but it's the letting them know that danger is coming and we've got to give our lives to Jesus Christ because when all of this ends, where do we stand? 
And we've got to stand on the side of righteousness. We've got to stand on the side of truth. And we've got to stand on the side of Jesus Christ. Because Indeed. you are the only way, the life, and the truth, as your word says. Yes, Lord. So I'm praying, Lord God, this very night, everything that we're going through, that we give it to you. Because you can work it out in our lives. I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will pray. Lord Jesus, that you search the deep places of our life. We don't even know where things are hidden. Hidden sins, Lord. Hidden things that we just not wanted to deal with. Hidden hurts from our past, Lord Jesus Christ. That we've not wanted to deal with because we felt like the pain was easier to deal with than letting go. But Lord God, if we don't let go of all of that in our past then how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit and how do we move forward in you, Lord Jesus Christ? Because you overcame all of everything on the cross 2,000 years ago. You nailed it to the cross, Lord God. You died for the sin of the world. You died for our sins, Lord Jesus Christ. You made a way that we could be into the kingdom of heaven, but we've got to continue to live the life every day, listening to the voice of Jesus Christ in obedience. So, Lord God, I'm praying for a fulfilling of your Holy Spirit this very night upon everyone that's here. A double portion of your anointing, Lord Jesus Christ, that this night we will change for your glory and for your honor. Step by step, Lord Jesus Christ, allowing you to work in our lives. Lord God, I'm praying over Carlin's friend tonight who's going through this, Lord Jesus Christ. And I know, Lord God, you can work out everything for your glory and honor. So I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, whatever the situation is, that they give it to you. They pray, Lord, for healing and to move forward in you, Lord God. And everyone else going through all and everything tonight, Lord Jesus Christ. Let it be done for your glory and for your honor. Fill our lives with you, Lord. Take away the world. Take away the reproach. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.